And hey, everybody. Welcome to the Blue Ridge Adventures Guild. Uh, my name is Dustin Bays, and I'm joined here today with Maddie Fuller. You can say hey, Maddie. Hey! <laughs> uh, Nathan Ouellette. Hey! <laughs> and Dr. Andy Rourke. <clears throat> hey! <laughs> Fantastic. All right. So if you have been listening to the Blue Ridge Adventurers Guild for nine episodes, we are finally doing a session zero to explain our world, to explain our premise, and finally describe our characters so you can actually know what they look like. And it's not just some uh, whatever you want sort of thing. So without further ado, I'm going to pass it off to our DM, Andy Rourke to explain this amazing world that he's created. I just want to say that if you're imagining something that's much cooler than what we exp uh, explain, you can just stick with it. You don't have to change to what we laid down. If you got something really, really awesome going on, you just roll with it. Agreed. Head cannon is cannon. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, if you say so. All right, guys. Hey, I'm Andy Rook. I am a uh, veterinarian, and I am... The dungeon master for this group. We are doing something a little bit different, as you probably noticed in the first couple episodes. Uh, the idea here is that this campaign takes place in a world where there are uh, an infinite number of realities. The idea being is based on a science fiction book. I don't want to say what book it is because uh, this would ruin the ending if you knew what the book was. And so uh, I hope you stumble upon the book and don't know that it's the book and then read it and go, wow, this is the book he was talking about. It's amazing. And in this book, every time someone makes a decision, it splits reality into two different realities. So there's like one reality where you chose door A and there's another reality where you chose door B. And so with all the people making all the decisions, realities just split and split and split and split and split. And that's what's going on in this, uh, in this world. In this world, there are multiple realities that have broken off from each other over time because of different decisions or different instances or things that happened or magical phenomena or just basic mundane decisions. And these realities split and split and split and split and split. And we all live in a, in a reality, and it's separated from the other uh, realities by what we call veils. So there are veils that divide one reality from the next. The realities sort of drift around, and they move around, and sometimes they bump up against each other, and sometimes two are side by side, and then they kind of drift away. Uh, it is possible to punch holes between these veils. There are people and entities out there that do move between the realities. There are powerful beings that can see multiple realities. There are, uh, we've already met the Seekers which is a group that is searching for a powerful deity that has been confined to one reality, and they're trying to uh, make their way to find the uh, the one called Ambrazul, who they're, who they're searching for. So those are sort of some of the travelers that you see moving between realities. And when we started off, you know, I started to think about what uh, what these guys are going to be up against. It, it's big. It's, it's, it's a big deal, and it's a big problem. And I thought... If you had a problem this big, there's no way that one single group of people would be the entire solution to the whole thing. You would have to have multiple groups working and doing different things in different ways. And they can have, they don't have to know each other. They can have different motivations. They can have different desires. They can have different um, people supporting them. They can have different people working against them. 
But overall, uh, when you start talking about something as big as multiple realities and uh, problems that stretch across realities, you know, it uh, it just makes sense to have uh, more than one party kind of off doing their own thing. And I think it's also going to be vital to let us uh, explore this sprawling, vast universe. And so that's the world that we play in. And that's why we started off with three different parties. Now, Andy, can you explain a little bit uh, just about the setting that we've created? This is your first time listening. The world that we're in, uh, the mystical, the realm, I guess, the reality that we're living in currently is a mythical, mystical kind of Blue Ridge Mountains area. Andy, you want to talk a little bit more about that? We talked about the Blue Ridge Adventures Guild. You know, so we we record here in Greenville, South Carolina. So we are in the Blue Ridge Mountains or at the base of the Blue Ridge Mountains. The Blue Ridge Mountains, you know, serve as in this story a, a linchpin. It's where a couple of the realities sort of pinch together. You can see uh, because of some other things that will come to light later on. The uh, veils here have been thinned out, and uh, this seems to be an attractive place for people who are interested in trying to punch through uh, the veils and move between realities. And so we've got a lot of things that are going on and happening here. And it's kind of fun because one of the realities is our own reality, and we uh, we can use local flavor and talk about our world. And what's happening here in, in the upstate, which is what we call the area around Greenville, South Carolina, Asheville, North Carolina. And, uh, and you see some overlap in that. So a lot of people have already picked up that the town of Greenville and the town of Verde are uh, the same town, just in different realities. And uh, we've got some people heading up to the town of Cinder, which is uh, the town of Asheville in our reality. And again, there's a lot of overlap there. So it's actually really great. It's uh, People say, well, where, where's the map of this world? <laughs> just It's Google Maps. Uh, and, and that's, that's, that's really fun. Uh, you know, we look at, um, we talked about table rock, uh, has come up a couple of times and that's table rock in the upstate as well. And, uh, yeah, as we cross over into other realities, it may be called table rock. It may not be, it just depends on on kind of what's happened in that reality in the past. So we've just started here with uh, something that is true and real for us, all of our, our players and for me and, we lay uh, the different sort of fantasy campaigns on top of it, and it lets us actually use the real world, an area that we know and we love and that has a distinct flavor to it, and then still bring in some mythical and magical things that, uh, that are really exciting. And I think I can easily speak for everyone, or they can just speak for themselves, that uh, it's a lot of fun playing in this world, and I have had a blast kind of just peeling back the layers and everything that you've created. Uh, specifically, uh, well, I don't, I don't want to get into specifics because I don't want to give anything away for the story, but it's been it's been fun seeing all these different things that you have turned into, uh, like places that I've been that all of a sudden, now I get to go there again and there's magic. <laughs> Let I, I want to get I want to get in talking about our characters because if you if you've been listening to our show before, uh, we don't do a great job describing our characters uh, in episode one, which is why we're making this right now. So I want to talk about those characters, what they look like, and and our different relationships and stuff. So we're gonna go in show order, and we're gonna start with the the horde party. Since I got the mic, I'll go ahead and start. Uh, with the horde, how the horde works is the horde is a band uh, of mercenaries, and they work together. However, I, I think it's safe to say that we're not friends. We yeah. we know each other. We've worked together, uh, acquaintances at best. 
and they operate kind of out of the town of Cinder, out of a, a local kind of mercenary bar-esque thing. Very Deadpool-esque, or um, I don't know if you guys have other examples of pop culture that this would be similar to? Uh, uh, one of the examples I was kind of using earlier was... Uh, Goblin Slayer. Goblin Slayer or uh, Fairy Tale. Those are two anime references for all of our, our fun fans. Our weebs. Yeah. So uh, my character that I play is a character named Sphere, who is a deep gnome. And his his name, Sphere, is actually just a shortened name of his race, which is uh, the deep gnomes are known as Sphere Fleblin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's what it looks like on paper. Uh, and since he grew up alone, in the Underdark, just kind of by himself. He was just always called by what he was. So he, his name's Sphere. He's very, very he's small. He gets confused for a goblin a lot. So people call him goblin. He used to correct them pretty frequently. And then he just stopped because at a certain point it didn't matter because they saw him as a goblin. They treated him like a goblin. And no matter what he said, he was just a goblin. Uh, but in response to that, he started wearing a lot of face coverings and started wearing his body a lot. So if you are a Zelda fan and are familiar with the character uh, Sheik, uh, it's very much kind of like that garb face coverings. Uh, if you're a Critical Role fan and you know uh, Sam Regal's character in his second camp campaign uh where they you know wear a mask all the time over uh the goblin character's face very much similar to that coverings a lot of his body he is a monk and right now we're level one so he doesn't have like a lot of special abilities but uh yeah he's like very punch boy dark skin lots of piercings in his ears that even though he's just a gnome he does have the deep gnomes do have bigger ears so his piercings going up and down his ears and uh yeah he's kind of like a little grungy voice kind of talks like this you know like uh i've been smoking for 50 years sort of thing yeah i'm gonna pass the mic off to somebody else talk about their horde character i'll go so my character is amari uh she is a high elf pretentious bitch uh <laughs> that had her uh what's that phrase when someone oh she had her humbling moment uh she was uh at the temple of anubis if you don't already know she's a cleric but she was at the temple of anubis and did some naughty things and got uh kicked out but it wasn't her fault anubis told her to do it or that's what she says she is typical High elf stature, very, very thin, but she has very fiery red hair, which is kind of uncharacteristic for a high elf. Um, she's super pale, typical redhead, but uh, she likes to wear a bunch of baggy clothes, but underneath all of her baggy clothes are her temple robes from the temple of Anubis for whenever they let her back in when they realize that uh, they made a mistake. Um, she was just doing the Lord's work by uh, killing sick people who were going to die anyway that came to the temple for, for help. Um, because the thing with Amari, and she overshares this to anybody who would ask, she, she thinks that Anubis is in love with her. And the only time she really gets to talk to him is when she uh, kills someone. After all, she is a grave cleric, and Anubis is a 
person who reveres death, and uh, so she really liked her conversations with him and uh, wanted to continue them further because she really thought they had a nice thing going and maybe she'd be like a chosen one or something, even though that doesn't exist. And uh, so, yeah, when people would come to the temple for healing, if they were just, you know, super sick, she she ushered them along into the afterlife but a little bit early so she could have a date with her little boyfriend. But people caught on and they were like, you're a murderer. And she was like, no, I'm not. I'm just <laughs> doing, I'm just talking. It's no big deal. And they were like, no, you're a murderer. Get out of here. So she got kicked out. But then she realized, I can probably get in a line of work where I can kill people and talk to my boyfriend. Um, so she became a mercenary, and it all worked out from there. Uh, now that she's not with the temple, her connection is kind of a little bit fuzzy. She'll get a couple of words in here or there. But that's enough, right? Like, just the bare minimum of attention is all she needs uh, to continue her delusions. Anyway, next. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I play Scarf. Uh, Scar- or Scarf is what's called a shifter. Um, I kind of picture, uh, I don't know how well this reference will go out there, but kind of uh, Darius from Full Metal Alchemist, but a little bit hairier in the face. Just like a big, hairy dude with a lot of facial hair that kind of sticks out into whiskers. Uh, his hair's long and slicked back. Uh, he's got hair all down his arms. He's, they're not really clear. Uh, it's in the Eberron guide. I, I think shifters are kind of like, they're not lycanthropes, but it's like if a bunch of lycanthropes in the way in the past got together and had a society and over time they kept having kids. You know, it's kind of like a, it's a somewhat human animal hybrid. Um, Scarf, uh, he was kind of, he was raised as a family or he was not, he wasn't raised as a family. That'd be weird. He was raised in a family of kind of uh, petty crime, uh, like small town bank robbers, very like Western cowboy style robbery, uh, big family, a lot of kids that all kind of committed crimes. And he was the runt of the litter when he was young. And uh, so he kept kind of getting left behind a lot. And eventually, after like years and years of putting up with their abuse and their, you know, they're just talking down to him, he left to make it on his own. Uh, and his whole goal was to provide or to p- prove himself as a great warrior. And over time, he kept growing, even kind of past where most of his brothers and sisters would have stopped. So at this point, he's a much larger shifter. You know, he's a he's a big dude. He's a, he, uh, he's a paladin. I guess I should have said that. So, you know, he's based on hitting stuff with his sword really hard. And uh, <laughs> he's, I'm going to be I think I'm going with the path of conquest also to kind of keep that intimidation being the you know, scariest, toughest guy in the battlefield. That's what he's going for when he's in fights. But he's also got a lot of just kind of dumb dog energy where he's he's very loyal to his group, even though they wouldn't call him a friend. But he no, not at all. Not at all. (laughs) But I do think Scarf kind of he's very happy to be. He's still a pack animal at heart. And he he likes just being a part of the group. So he and. So when he's going up against people, he's, I think he gets a bit more aggressive. But when he's with, with people who he knows and considers a new family, uh, despite the whole mercenary hard background, he's still kind of a softy at heart. But it d- That almost makes me feel bad. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, he still would kill innocent people for money. Yeah. 
I like how I like how he left his family because they were abusive to him, and then he just like follows around Sphere and Amari because they're so nice to him. <laughs> Ima- imagine how much worse his family is. Oh yeah, I was right. At least we don't bite you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I also kind of I feel like his family. I, I keep going back in my head to the movie Lawless and just that kind of like moonshining group living in the woods, like tough hillbilly vibes. That's Scarf. So. That's episode. That's the party that we have in episode one. And if this is your first time listening to Blue Ridge Adventures Guild, like we've said a couple times before, we have multiple parties. So an almost direct contrast to that is the party that you're going to see in episode two, which we have affectionately nicknamed the Normies. So uh, I don't know how. So with these characters, they're a lot. They're very, very close. So I figured we'd kind of just kind of smorgasbord how we're talking about our characters because they all kind of they all kind of they're they're different characters, but they're really all the same person, I feel like. Well, it's it's like when you watch Jersey Shore. There's th- like four different dudes there, but are they the different dudes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I feel like watching Jersey Shore is is uh, is very accurate to the way we've been portraying these characters. Well, yeah, to get into character, I actually did watch the top like top moments of Jersey Shore season one before recording. <laughs> I like to think that the normies are different shades of fuckboys. Ooh. I think that's a great way of putting it. <laughs> Especially with my character, uh, Roy, who used to be a hipster back in like the 20 teens and uh, grew out of that. And instead of being obsessed with uh, fixed gear bikes... He became obsessed with the bikes at the gym and like obsessively, yeah, obsessively taking care of himself. He just, uh, that typical guy that's like always going like this in the mirror when like he passes one, he's like checking, like, like, you know, just all kinds of fuck boyness. Yeah. He's the conglomerate of every douchebag i've ever met in a loving way right 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 yeah uh no offense taken yeah i so uh my character bert is very much so bert is bert all of our characters in some way are from massachusetts right we're all attempting some sort of boston accent when we do the normies it's really bad uh, for uh, my family members that live in boston i'm sorry I don't. I think they're just New England in general. Yeah, yeah, New England. In, I think that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, because I think I'm. I'm more like. Well, I guess New York's not technically New England, but I think I'm more of a New York. I'm pretty sure I state that he's from New York. Jay Lachey. Mm, mm, mm. I I remember you saying so, that. That would make yeah. sense. Yeah, that that area. <laughs> My character uh, Bert is very much. <laughs> Uh, I didn't. I didn't mean for it to be this way, but everyone tells me that my character Bert is based off of my cousin. Um, so <laughs> for everyone else listening to this, uh, he's very much, I would say, family-driven, loyal to his kind of tribe. Right? Uh, Bert will do anything and everything to protect his family, right? And and family in the term of not just the blood relatives he have, but his chosen family as well, which becomes the normie party uh, after we all 
coincidentally meet in Vegas randomly and then all just show up. Vegas, my man. Yeah, you, you, you know. And then we all just show up in Greenville. That's right. right. Yeah, we just show up in Greenville at Roy's house unexpectedly, randomly. uh, Be like. Uh, On the same day. Yeah, yeah, all in the same day. uh, Not coordinated, not communicated. Just we all move to Greenville and start chilling with Roy. Uh, and our and he was totally okay with yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> and our other our other homie uh, John Balvier, which is not not a which is an NPC and not our our, our third party member, which is uh, Nate's character, who was uh, he, his name is John, but for the sake of the group, he goes by Jay because he he understands John's doing good things out there. So uh, Jay Jay's able to step his name down a little bit because I think the way I always picture Jay, uh, he's gonna be your he's like your typical. He's your fun, outgoing, uh, boisterous kind of party guy, but is also kind of a gym jock. He was in track and field in high school, but he didn't. He did it for the Letterman, and he mostly like did it for the girls. And you know, he he'd do his sports, and he'd do well at them. He would also drink under the bleachers after he ran his race or he threw his stuff. Yeah. Um, hey. You know, he's always. And now I think that's what he was when he moved to Greenville. He doesn't really have a degree or anything, so he's just started getting a job as bartending. He does well at it. Uh, he's also I think he's a he's a good listener because of his job, and he's learned and or and he's good at his job because he's a good listener kind of thing. He is also very family oriented. He's got kind of that more like Italian vibe to him, uh, and I don't know how often it's been brought up originally, but he did actually have a blog where he would make monthly lasagna posts. So every month, it's called his, it's lasagna lad. He just kind of, that was kind of like his, his side project, his, you know, his baby was, he, he loved trying to figure out different lasagna recipes and posting new stuff for his, his followers. Just spending time with his people that he cares about. He's, he's in for a good time. He wants, he wants everyone to like always be happy. And he wants everything to kind of just be, be look on the bright side, which obviously there's going to be some troubles and struggles coming up mm-hmm. with being, yeah. Yeah. Because otherwise it wouldn't be much of a D&D adventure. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> now, I want to point out, if you notice, as we're talking about our normie characters, none of us have mentioned a class. And if, you, if you're listening to the first time, what we've done with the normie characters is we actually started out where we just designed these characters and we didn't pick a class. And throughout the first couple of, normie episodes i would say probably by the episode three we narratively discovered uh the normies class so we actually started out with these as kind of a level zero very much npc kind of stats so in episode two when you finally get to the normies understand if you're one of those DD guys and you, you you know what we're talking about by all these stats and classes and stuff realize that our characters when we approach that episode had virtually no modifiers we had no abilities whatsoever except just kind of what an everyday normal person would have yeah they we were using a commoner stat block uh so they were whatever the D commoners would be and then they just had uh they had no armor so uh so there was no armor uh bonus to them or anything they were literally commoners going to a wedding and uh until they sort of got sucked into what we were doing yeah and i think that's what makes the normies really fun to play and super a super unique playing experience for me because we started out normal and as we were playing andy decided what class they were going to be 
And I think that that was really fun yeah. because he placed me in something I've never played before. Yeah. So I was like, oh, shit, I got to learn. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wanted to... I wanted I wanted the norming party to be distinctly different from the other parties, and so it was the only one that wasn't set, and so I wanted to push more towards having a having a full caster. I, I, that was a neat way to sort of start to give ideas that there are patrons, there are other entities or beings that are watching what's going on, and they have a vested interest in things that are starting to shape up that are well beyond the comprehension of our of our characters. But uh, in the in the larger world, there are forces at play, and there are affected parties who uh, who are trying to influence what is happening. And I just think that that's a cool narrative uh, idea. And then it also let us go ahead and develop classes as we moved along. So uh, as as the normies start to to pick up some skills, I think someone uh, might ask, like, well, you know, why did this happen, or or why is this person able to tap into this power? And and the answer I I think that comes out of all of this is. These are desperate times, and there are desperate measures, and uh, people are taking shortcuts that otherwise would not be available because of larger events that are happening. And so I just thought it was a fun way of things start going down. Uh, there are large-scale events at play. Uh, there's, a, there's a patron. There's someone who is fueling these powers and these opportunities for the normies. But are, are they doing it because they want to help? Do they have their own agenda? Of course they do. You know, uh, what, we assume that their agenda is good, but maybe it's not. And those are, those are fun questions to, uh, to ask, and they're going to be fun questions to answer. So basically, the normie party is the least normie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Yeah, it was funny just trying to come up with a name for him because, you know, what do you call people? What do you call the us? The us group is like, uh, the, 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 you know, the, I don't know, the, the, the here plane. Uh, well, I always <laughs> thought it was kind of funny because I said it kind of glib at one point when we were like trying to try it out. Because every time I like meet someone who's like, oh yeah, have you, do you watch movies? And they're like, no. I'm like, ugh, normies. <laughs> I think I recently found out like normie was a term that like neckbeards use for people and stuff. Oh no. Yes. <laughs> they stole it from me. No, we're, we're taking, we're, we're taking it and making it our own. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Hashtag free the normies. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to bring us to our final party last, but definitely not least. My, my gut is to say that this is my favorite party. And I want to say that boots my favorite character, but I always say that. And then we, we start playing and I'm like, no, this is my favorite party. And this is my favorite character. It changes depending on whoever the last person we played as is always my favorite party. Oh, uh, completely. Our last group and that shows up in episode three is called the McCalls. And they're called the McCalls because that's all of their last names because they are all related, but they kind of have a, a special kinship. Um, and I, I think I want to start with me and Maddie and then save Nate's character for last. Just so, I mean, if you've been listening, you, you know what the character is, but if this is your first time listening, I, I, I like the punchline of Nate's character. So Maddie, why, why don't you start with your, your character since you're the oldest so i play enid mccall who is a very outspoken dwarf lady barbarian she kicks ass takes names if they're cute though <laughs> but normally makes it a point to not and she's all out of bubble gum and she's all out of bubble gum <laughs> so <laughs> 
She is just a fiery little rocket, and I think she's like all of my repressed southernness yeah. in a character. Because, you know, you're raised in the south, and you're always told, like, you're dumb, so you're from the south, and you're like, oh, I'm not dumb. No, I'm not dumb. I'm not dumb. Yeah, and then you meet people from other places, and you're like, oh, you're like, oh, I'm dumb. <laughs> well, you're like, well, the first thing to go is the accent, yeah. and everything else follows suit. And so this is like me reclaiming my southernness. Um, she's also kind of modeled after like the typical tomboy, like redneck girl that I went to high school with, who was like super cool and chill. And it, I, if any of you have never been to high school in the South. Uh, they always have a can of dip in their back pocket. But that uh, I don't I don't think uh, Enid dips yet. <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, I just kind of modeled her after those girls from high school, and they were always like really badass, and they were like, oh, you know, I I had to feed the all the chickens this morning, and I uh, I tended the cows. I was up to at like 3.30 this morning. I'm like, wow, I struggled to get out of bed at 7.30. Like, they were so cool. They had their shit together way before anybody else. And that's kind of like Enid, in a way. Feisty, fiery dwarf barbarian. Very much in that vein, my character is named Boot McCall and is Enid's younger brother. And, and Boot is... Very much in the way. So I, I, I mean, I grew up here in South Carolina. I grew up uh, in little old town called Wahala and Valley of the Gods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Boot McCall, Enid's younger brother. What I found to him is like he is very much. Uh, he is all of my southernness packed into one little guy and. Also a redhead. He he has the he has the dwarven beard. He keeps it, his hair is long, but keeps it tied up in a man bun. Uh, he is ex dwarven military, and that's why he's always wearing. He wears heavy armor, even mm. though he uh, it does not. Uh, he is not proficient in wearing heavy armor because he's a ranger. He's a worst ranger in the world. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> say he's the worst. I wouldn't say he's the worst ranger in the world, but I think it's, I would definitely say he's not the best ranger in the world. And uh, what I have found is that he's very much dependent on his older sister to keep him out of trouble that he tends to find himself into not on purpose. I feel like he gets himself into a lot of accidental trouble. And Enid, he tends to run to Enid to save his ass. I think it's more of like he... He's like, oh, I gotta help. And then he'll get himself in these kind of situations that Enid will have to clean up. Yeah. But I think it's, I don't think he purposefully gets in trouble. I don't think that's the intention. I think he's just too big for his boots. Yeah, no no pun intended. No pun intended. Oh, okay. There no, we go. Pun, pun was intended. intended. Pun was definitely intended. Pun was intended. Um. <laughs> And uh, yeah, that's Boot. Uh, he he's I, I don't know what else to say about him uh, except I love being Boot. I don't, I don't know. It's just I think it's I think I love how goofy he is with Boot. I, I feel like I think the least, and it's just very much like oh here we go. I'm gonna do it. Here's my first thought. That's what I'm gonna do. All right, here we go. <laughs> I definitely feel that way, and I think that our interactions as Boot and Enid and Nate's character that he will introduce are just so natural because I, I think they just come from a really personal place 
it's just obviously we we mean like the most adoration for these people that we base them off of. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Because like yeah, like they we're not like making fun of rednecks, like Oh yeah. We all we are rednecks. <laughs> but uh it's like everyone's a little bit redneck down here. And we are just kind of playing off of all of our repressed redneckness. I don't know. It's just fun. They're just fun people. So we have Bootnated, Dwarven siblings, and it brings us to our final character. I am playing uh, Gretchen McCall, who is Bootnated's half-orc grandmother. Uh, she's known throughout the community as Ma, and mostly to Bootnated, but um, she, yeah, she, uh, she's kind of a, a werewolf hunter, you know, problem solver. She's got that old granny, but also a, granny with a shotgun kind of vibe, you know? Like, she's rocking on the front porch, but you don't want to walk up to that front porch <laughs> unless she knows who you are. Uh, she's tough as nails and actually found boot needed when a hunt went wrong and they lost their parents. And uh, she had recently also kind of suffered a loss and decided to take them under her wing and raise them as her own. And that's kind of, I think... She kind of, I mean, she definitely, they are her children or her grandchildren. Either way, it's not like an, a, for, a formal adoption or anything like that. It's all, she raises kids and she's their ma. Uh, but not just them. I think she's kind of like a community figure as ma. She's always been, you know, when people have issues or struggles, they'll go and ask ma for advice. So, you know, she's, she's wise, she's old, she's been around. She hasn't always made the best choices, though. And that's something she's kind of learning from and she's paying for. Uh, because as you'll see, she's a, uh, a packed warlock with, uh, she's an abyssal pack. So she's, you know, has a little bit of a hellish flair to her and I'm sure some more of that will come up and more of that will be seen, but she's, she's taking care of her kids first, obviously her community second and herself last. And that's kind of Ma's whole thing. Yeah, I think Ma is, like, going back to what you are saying, how she's like a community mother, I feel like she's a matriarch in every, kind of every niche that she fills, she is the matriarch. Mm-hmm. Matriarch of the family, the matriarch of the community. Yes. She's not yeah, yeah. an elected official, but like a, a, a unofficial community leader. Just someone, someone who gets shit done. She may not be a politician, but if she goes and knocks on that politician's door and talks to them about an issue, that issue is going to get solved. Yeah. And if, and if you want to get elected in the town, you have, you know, if, if Ma has your vote or if you have Ma's vote, then you have the town's vote. That kind of, she's an unofficial leader. She doesn't want the power of being a leader. She's not looking for the power. She's not looking for the glory of it. I think she's just, she's Ma. Yeah, Ma, for sure. I think it's just a natural like leadership that comes from being wise from your age. Yeah. yeah. Like just the elder type. Yeah, and the 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 McCall's Ma is taught and passed on some hunting traditions, so it's not uncommon for the McCall's to go out and go hunting together. You know, there's lots of knolls in the area and in in and around Cinder where kind of they uh, hail from. Not to mention the werewolf problem. Mm. Dude, I'm talking about them werewolves. Also, they are from they are from Traveler's Rest. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> we only go to Cinder when we be in fancy. I mean, Traveler's Rest is more or less halfway between Greenville and uh, Asheville anyway. So. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We're, we're, we're going up to Cinder for like 
when it's Ina's birthday and she wants to go to one of them fancy taco wagons, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But Verde's too fancy and it's too close. Oh, Verde's been getting it's too expensive. It's too ritzy and the people moving there lately are too much of a city folk. Mm-hmm. Too expensive. Too expensive. I still want some of that charm, you know, that rustic charm that comes from Cinder. Yeah. You know all about that, Ma. Oh, <laughs> listen. Yeah, my, my, Ma's. <laughs> let's just say uh, her hellish rebuke's not the only flame she's had in her days. <laughs> well i think that pretty much wraps up all of our characters andy is there anything that we're missing i think that that's that's mostly it i mean i think that gives us the basis we need to get started we're uh we're moving on through a pretty exciting adventure and uh oh man we've got big things in store yeah so as we're recording this now we are approximately three-ish uh episodes sessions away from the big bag boss man coming down the leg and i I know i know we're really excited that's that's my best guess yeah yeah we don't we don't tend to be the most uh focused group though so like if there's a shiny object we may uh we may totally wander off uh like some type of sexy treasure or something (laughs) exactly right if there's some sexy treasure that comes up (laughs) that's a whole episode by itself how sexy was it (laughs) i mean there was mud wrestling that's sexy to some people. Yeah, yeah. And also very Southern. Like to Will Ferrell in old school. Uh, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that boy blue. That boy blue. <laughs> That's like wrestling and mudding combined, isn't it? Yes. Two very Southern hobbies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, s- some would say it's mud wrestling. Um, <laughs> yeah. So if, if you're listening to Session Zero and this is your first time listening, uh, give give the first episode a try. Uh, if you don't like that episode, try the second episode completely different. Uh, if you don't like that episode, try the third one also completely different. If you don't like the third episode, our show may not be for you, unfortunately, uh, but we think it is. Uh, we're having so much fun. Uh, we've been having a blast. There's lots of laughs, uh, in the show. Uh, give us a follow on our social media platforms. You can find us on Facebook and YouTube by searching Blue Ridge Adventures Guild. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter by searching at BragPod. That's B-R-A-G-P-O-D. And give us a rate and review and uh, wherever you're listening to your podcast right now. It really helps us out. It gives us a lot of exposure and it lets us know how we're doing. And uh, that that's all I have. Any Anybody else? We love you. Thank you for your support so far and continue to support us. If you want. Yeah, thanks for everybody listening. Thank you. Thank you so much, guys. Mwah. <laughs>